0: You are Locked on Jets, your daily New York Jets podcast, part of the Locked on Podcast Network, your team every day. Welcome to the Locked on Jets podcast. It is Tuesday, March 24th, 2020, and I'm your host, John B. from gangrenenation.com. If you enjoyed this show, subscribe to it on your favorite podcast source and leave it a good review. Welcome to our latest installment of our Listener Spotlight series, and joining me today is Gareth. Gareth is coming to us from across the pond. Gareth, how are you doing today? John,
1: very well. I hope everybody's very well, too. It's uh, it's uh, From when we arranged this, I think the world's changed slightly different in the last two weeks, so let's crack on and try to smile a bit.
0: So, Gareth, uh, how did you become a jets fan i think you mentioned to me before we started recording that you were born in belfast so how does a person from belfast become a jets fan
1: uh, a person from belfast has a mum who's a twin sister and uh, her twin and this will take 30 seconds to wrap up she uh, my auntie brenda then moved to the bronx when she was like 17 18 married my uncle sean and you can join the dots from this point. So Uncle Sean was a Jets fan, and young Gareth, when he was four, five, and six, used to get sent jet stuff back home. And as a, a child of the early eighties, that kind of combined when the NFL started to be shown in the in the United Kingdom. And I don't know for the older listeners out there, there's a guy called Mick Luckhurst, who was an English kicker who played for the Atlanta Falcons and he presented the program. So the first Super Bowl we ever got was the Bears against the Patriots, and that was the fridge and all that stuff. But I had was waiting every week. We had an hour's highlights every week of the previous week's games. And I would just live to see like the highlights of a Jets throw or a Jets touchdown or whatever. And then I was hooked. And then I began then just my, my, my journey through the the boys back in the day, the Ken O'Briens all the way through to Boomer, Osi- uh, Boomer Esiason and Vinny Testaverde and Chad and all that stuff. So it's, it's developed a bit of momentum as we've gone along and now it's my number one sport and I'm a pretty diehard Jets fan.
0: So, how did you follow the Jets back in those days? Because I cannot imagine they they showed many games on TV at that point.
1: No, they really didn't. I mean, the 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 explosion in the NFL in the UK it was it was it was it brought into the UK as I said for that one 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 weekly R slots mainly, mainly during the eighties and early nineties, and then obviously the. European Football League, or whatever way you want to call it, we had the London Monarchs over in the UK. That began to register. People started the day and to get a bit more content as the week happened with the NFL, but it was it was still kind of the results on the Monday morning in the paper. And it was only when one of our kind of um, satellite channels, Sky, who show a lot of world sports, came on board, and now now we get to see. And um, we actually have it really good because we get to see the one o'clock kickoff on the East Coast the Four o'clock kickoff as well, and then the evening kickoff as well. And if you've been up in the morning over this side of the pond watching football, in terms of soccer, you basically have your Sundays taken care of. You're just you're just watching non sports, uh, non stop sports. But then you have Game Pass as well, which obviously helps a lot because I can I can watch the every Jets game as we go along and follow lovely podcasts such as Locked On Jets, John. So that's how that's how we keep in touch.
0: Absolutely. So now, so how how many years have you been able to watch every Jets game as it happens?
1: Um, I, uh, legally or illegally? I mean, let's put it that way. I would say, I would say pretty much maybe for the last sort of six six seven years since since Game Pass really came on board and we could get we could get. All games every week, rather than just the game that was being shown on the TV. And then um, Red Zone is actually free to air as well over here. I say air. People are struggling with my accent. Air. Um, so it's it's that's a really good way of bringing people on board as well. I think people. It's something you couldn't do with soccer over here. You couldn't show games as they happen when they're happening all at the same time because the NFL obviously benefits from being able to you know know when a play is going to go in the red zone and you can switch over to that I think soccer's a bit more unpredictable in terms of when a score might happen so um yeah so red zone would be great for us when when the Jets aren't playing and then as I say I can just switch them to to game pass and watch um um, this is like an advertisement for NFL game pass other other passes are available I'm sure but um yeah so it's the Jets are just uh I can I can find a way to find them. The, the good one, the, the the tough ones are the Monday night games because obviously that's that's at a that's at a reasonably unsocial hour over here. But some things are worth standing up for, Um even if it is, you know, watching us play in Baltimore last Thursday, or the second last Thursday night game. But you stay up for it, you watch it, see it through to the end. There's only sixteen games a season, or hopefully more.
0: Hopefully more indeed. And as Gareth mentioned, the Locked On Jets podcast is sponsored by NFL. I'm just joking. I gotta stop saying that. So Gareth, uh, have you ever been to any games live?
1: Yes, I have. So I've my, my busman's holidays now are picking trips and just going across and watching the Jets play live. So I got um got the soldier field last year to watch us um finish second to Chicago. And then I got to the Monday night game this year, or say last season against Cleveland. There's a pattern developing here um, where... I wouldn't say it was our finest hour. In fact, of all the years I've been watching the Jets, I may have picked the worst possible time to ever see my first home game because that wasn't good. Although people should always stay to the end. This is the only thing that annoys me about American sports fans who are lovely people, but I don't like it to see empty seats. You stay there till the end and you watch your team, no matter how good or bad it's going. Then I went down to Jacksonville and watched us again get beaten. Um, So I'm um, so far 0-3. And I'm beginning to hope that maybe the Jets want to pay me not to show up, and then I'll happily, I'll happily let that happen. But um, at least it's, it's small markers. I got to see us, you know, be competitive at least in Jacksonville, and there was a point in that game where I actually thought we might, we might turn it around, and I think that was a crucial game of the season because that would have taken us roughly, nearly to four and five, and then we had the Dolphins the following week, and in my head we were going to be five and five, but we weren't, you know.
0: Well, Gareth, let's be fair here. It's not like the Jets have been winning a ton of games when you haven't been going, so it's not like you're the jinx here.
1: I know, I know, I know um and uh yeah it's listen i i in soccer i'm a I'm a man united fan, so I've been spoiled over over my lifetime and do you know something there's something something good about living in hope, you know what I mean, and that's the beauty of every season the n f l s is such a fair sport because you can look at San Francisco and go listen you know two years ago, you're two and fourteen. And look where you were this year. You know, you got you got within seven minutes of winning the Super Bowl. So that's what we kind of cling on to, isn't it? The Jets. We can we can we can turn any season round, although I wouldn't be hundred percent a fan of the schedule next year, which looks a bit tricky.
0: Do you, have you ever made it to any of the NFL games in London? yes
1: I have actually and it's it's again sos well the only time the Jets have been across here I was I was working that weekend in, in Scotland so I couldn't make it down and we beat the Dolphins and um, maybe that's why we beat the Dolphins because I wasn't able to make it down but um yeah I go to I go to as many NFL games at Wembley um, obviously with Jacksonville being the nominal home team and it's a funny dynamic John you know because a lot of people talk about should the franchise could we have a franchise in the UK and I think at the minute it works well what people might know is that when there's a, a an NFL game at Wembley Stadium all yeah. NFL fans attend so you'll literally see it as a celebration of the NFL you'll have people in, in different jerseys you'll have Bears fans Browns fans etc and the Jacksonville home games are even a bit like that as well so i think it would be interesting to see if we had our own team would those 70 80,000 people be replaced by exclusively London fans because for example i i wouldn't I wouldn't just I wouldn't swap swap the Jets for the London team and I think a lot of my friends here NFL fans here would say the same thing so we might only attend if our team was playing so you'd maybe have to find you know 70 80,000 new fans who would go every week and that's not even taken into consideration the logistics of It's easy right now because I think every team has a rest week the week after they travel and, you know, for an East Coast team to go to London is probably the same as San Francisco to play Philadelphia. The problem, I suppose, is always going to be what happens if you have to play every week and a West Coast team has to come over to London and then add in what happens if the London team makes the playoffs and all that stuff. So I think I think there's a willingness and there's probably, and I, I would hate to upset any Jackson, Jacksonville fans listening, but I suppose that's the obvious franchise to come across, given their owners links with soccer in London. The problem I think will definitely be um, just fitting that into a schedule that will be fair and work for everybody. You know, So I don't know what, what your feelings would be on adding in a, a new team. I know that the new CBA agreement might Bring that possibility near fruition but also would it work practically in your in your in your eyes john bring in a team across and playing every week in london or do you see the london game still as a bit of a novelty
0: i think that that's what they want to do i think in fact i think going back the reason one of the reasons that they folded the uh, europe league that they had that used to play in the spring and started playing the regular season games in london is that they eventually wanted to grow this grow the sport in uh over in london to the point where they could bring in a franchise because you probably remember like when they first did it i remember the first the first game was dolphins giants back in 2007 they only did one a year and then they've started growing it but i've always kind of felt like if they were going to do it for some of the logistical reasons you mentioned that they would almost have to have like create like a division have like maybe four teams in europe and try and grow it in other cities, like that's kind of my view. And it seems like they've only been focused on London so far. But I think just for travel, like they almost, I feel like they'd have to create like a full division just, just to try and minimize the impacts you're talking about.
1: Yeah, so exactly. I know what you're saying. So you're you're talking about maybe there would be the AFC East would maybe power off against that team over there to kind of at least give six games of the schedule where it's it's a no-brainer because it's again again like saying it's West Coast versus East Coast, it's the same dynamic. Yeah, I would agree with that, John, definitely. And I think you've also got the just just the logistics about, you know, if 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 again when 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 T V when the T V gods come in during the playoffs as well, I think that would be a big difference as well. You know, I mean I know for from soccer's view over here, um the big thing would be giving away a home game. And that's what's always surprised me about given that every nfl team only has yet home games it's i thought a big bigger point of resistance would have been one of those teams giving away a home fixture but that doesn't seem to have been as big a deal as i thought it might have been and i certainly know in the in the premier league and in england with soccer they would only consider it if it was a 39th game so that's what they're saying about this we would still play each other home and away the 20 teams in the premier league but we would all play one game on neutral terms in America, it wouldn't be fair to give away a home game because you don't know the strength of your rival. And that might be seen as an advantage where it's interesting that never seems to come up when the team at the end of the season maybe is a, is a game away or a half game away from the playoffs. They don't say, well, you know, we lost a home game. And that's that's just I, I always find that a bit quirky, but it's interesting. It's never really been picked up on.
0: I know if the Jets ever lost a home game, I'd be I'd be pretty I'd be questioning it myself, and I, I I'm also surprised by it because you would think you would think teams would not want to. I, I understand like the reason it's done is for uh you know to try and gain a foothold in, in a different market, but if the Jets ever lost a home game, I, I'd be asking a lot of the same questions, and I think so. There's some other things that come to mind for me. I think that. One of the, th- I think that there there are some lessons to be learned by some of the things we've seen in American sports here, where you've you've had like the NBA try and expand to Canada, you've had the NHL try and move into like southern markets where hockey isn't very popular. So I think that, that you can learn some lessons from moving a sport into a new a new market that isn't really all that familiar with the sport. And I think like one of the biggest lessons is you need to make sure the team is well run because if you look at hockey. The teams in the South who have had success have had competent management, and the teams that aren't have had bad management and that goes with the n b a as well as they put a team in Vancouver back in the nineteen nineties It was the worst run team it was i mean it's unbelievable how bad their management was, and the team just would never caught on because of how bad they were, how poorly they were run, just the awful decisions that that front office made um Another thing is the n b a in the nineties they they created obstacles for those two teams for Toronto and Vancouver where those two teams were not eligible for the to get like the number one overall pick for a number of years. So you mm. can't put obstacles in front of those. So I think that there are some lessons that the NFL can learn from other sports if they were to put a team in London.
1: Mm. Yeah, I I'd agree with that totally. You know, it's again, it, it comes down to the power of the franchise and but it is given, given the precedent that the NFL has always had, which is, you know, we can literally move a team like i, I watched uh, i don't know anybody watches the espn 30 for 30s but i was watching the the, the baltimore colts moving and during uh, and that, the process of that and just the concept that an owner can go right with manchester united's owners ironically are the glazers um <laughs> basically said right now we're leaving we're going we're going to london instead you know that that could never happen um but i suppose in a world where the owners can do that. It probably makes it more likely or possible that you could see a franchise being moved because, because it is essentially the owners are saying to the towns where they are, you need us more than we need you and we'll call your bluff if you disagree. So um, yes, and as long as the New York Jets stay the New York Jets, I'm happy.
0: You know? So let me ask you, who are some of your favorite players of in Jets history? In Jets history, I, I loved...
1: Um, Genuinely, oh, I was I was a, I was a Revis Island fr- a fan always. I just I just loved, but then I loved the bit of Wayne Cribbet as well. It's funny that it's funny that the the players that just stick with you as as kind of guys that you watched growing up and you went yeah. And obviously Ken O'Brien because I assumed he was Irish a whole the whole time. Obviously never having heard an interview, whatever. My view was Ken O'Brien he must be from Ireland, um, and then that bubble burst as well. Um, so yeah, and I, I, I did have a soft spot for Vinny Testaverde because. I just thought I couldn't understand. Again, when you're sort nine or ten, I saw him play for someone else. Why is he playing for us? He must like us a lot. So you kind of fall into that bracket. But my of, I think with a lot of Jets fans, obviously the the era that I liked the most for obvious reasons is uh and not because of him, but in spite of him probably was the Sanchez area era because, you know, I think I love I loved I did like Rex Ran as a coach. I thought he wore his heart in his sleeve and you know you've had two Two seasons in a row there where it was so it was so close. And I think we were probably spoiled for the two championship games because it's been a while since, you know. But the wicked the wicked king of the east is, is no more, John. You know, Tom's away, so hopefully we'll be able to play.
0: Hopefully. Um what are your favorite Jets memories?
1: Um probably probably sit, sitting up through the night watching um San Diego. Decided to give us the game in the, in one of the playoff games because their kicker decided not to aim at the posts. I enjoyed that one. I, I I think I think it's been touched on by a few listeners. Any games where we can come back against the Patriots, I always find tremendous fun. But I mean, I I again with the beauty of YouTube, you can go back and you can look at the Monday night clashes with 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 Miami as well. Um, and I've a, a very good pal who's a Browns fan, so anytime we play them as well, because I think they're kind of on our level, and I can't believe we're playing them again. But I think that's a quirk of the schedule, isn't it? That we're we're third seed in the AFC East, and we have to play the third seed in the in the AFC North. So, listen, you only get sixteen games a year, so you gotta love them all. But um, I do a genuinely. Uh, uh, there's there's no such thing as a bad Jets game, and I genuinely mean that. And um, I think I, I like. I like what Joe Douglas is doing. I think it's not flashy. I think he's going free agency, something that perhaps makes a team that's very good Super Bowl worthy, but the draft is probably what gets the bread and butter done initially. And I think he's being quite quite calm and as you've mentioned many times. Uh and I definitely agree with you, John. You know, the offensive line is where it has to be because Sean, um, you know, uh, Sam Darnold is what most people would say. Is he a good quarterback that sometimes plays bad? Or is he a bad quarterback that sometimes plays good? And you can't really judge him unless he has protection. And I think that's Joe Douglas's number one priority. And it mightn't be flashy and you mightn't get a big name in that maybe everybody's crying out for. But I think you'd probably agree, maybe. I'd like to hear your opinion that, you know, you want five good offensive linemen, and then we can have a a a good rattle at seeing how good Sam Darnold is. But without them, you'll always be left guessing.
0: Yeah, very well said. I, I don't think I have anything to add to that. I mean, they they might just give after this analysis, they might just give the show to you. <laughs>
1: yeah, 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 I'm available at the minute. Definitely, I'm available. Um, yeah, but you know, I I again, I. I know our, our cap was was much bigger last year, John. So again, I mean, I'm, I'm asking the expert here in terms of do you would if you had a if you had a, a luxury asset, you know? Because I looked at you know Emmanuel Sanders was it? He went from San Francisco over to was it where did where'd he go to Detroit? Saints, I think. Yeah, oh, sorry, the Saints. Yeah, and I'm kind of looking and going, well, what did they pay him? And were at Robbie what what what's um, Robbie Anderson asking for? You know, who would it be? Are those are those the type of wide receivers we should be going for, or is it because the draft is reasonably rich in wide receivers? Is it one of those ones that you go no, again, just just take your take your second third round pick at wide receiver and channel that money into into the trenches? Would you agree, or would you? Well, I, it-
0: I, my view is that I, I think bringing Robbie back at a certain price makes sense. Um, I think what Robbie's seeking is too much money, but it also looks like nobody's giving him what he wants, which I'm surprised by. I thought he was going to get a big deal, but I think a lot of teams are looking at that and they're looking to the draft and they're saying, "Well, you know, why should I pay this guy fifteen million dollars when I the odds are pretty good I can get a guy who's just as good in the second or third round?" So, if at a certain price, if he's willing to bring down his price, I'd be fine taking, I'd be fine bringing him back, but. I think Robbie back alone is not enough. Like I still think the Jets, even if they bring him back, they should still be looking to add another receiver because you know you have Crowders in the slot. He's good, but you need another outside receiver. So I, I, I was not impressed at all by Demarius Thomas last year. Um in Nunwa I, I I don't think you can count on any getting yeah. anything from Nunwa. I think if you get anything from a it's a bonus. So I still think that they need somebody to uh even if you get Robbie back, I still think they should be in the mindset that they should be drafting a receiver
1: yeah no i i, do, I definitely agree because
0: you, you definitely probably
1: need a long threat and from what i've seen of sam he's he is he does he does have very good pass accuracy when he's allowed he's, he's a couple of lovely kind of float passes as well last season but he's not the most mobile so he's probably more a case of just you know yet let his arm do the talking but I suppose in the league now, where there's more kind of Lamar Jackson style quarterbacks, it's like is Sam almost a classic passer in the in the realm of you know a Peyton Manning or whoever, and that's not to not to directly compare the two, but in that type of style of quarterback, and is that is that kind of five years behind the time now? You know, is, is the league changed so that Sam's almost a wee bit more outdated? But again, you know, as we're harping back to the offensive line, it's um, it's probably you you, you 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 can't you can't. You, you can't explore how good he is unless you give him the tools to be able to show what he's capable of, and that's not possible unless you have the guys protecting him. And last year wasn't very good, was it?
0: No, I would say it's not very good. Uh, I would say, though, like I, I don't think he's as immobile as Peyton Manning. Now, he's not like Lamar Jackson where he's going to be a big part of your yeah. run game, but I think if like he needs to escape pressure, he's, he's mobile enough to do that, whereas other guys we've seen in the past in the NFL, you know, like – your classic, like Eli Manning, guys like that had no mobility. I think Sam's more mobile than that, where he can escape and extend plays. So I think he's mobile enough to succeed in the NFL. But that doesn't mean you want to see that mobility on every single play because he's under pressure the way we saw last year. Exactly, yeah. And
1: and the other thing, again, that and not annoyed me last year, but this is just my across here observations, and I was crying out. But no one would, no, no one would understand what I was talking to if I went to the pub and talked to them about it was – uh, we had Jason Myers, and I I'm, see. I'm a great believer. The kicker is undervalued in American football, right? Because in rugby over here, there's lots of guys who have a massive kick and they, they're very accurate. But the kicker in American football is almost seen as, you know, obviously he's a bit antisocial with the rest of the team, and they only love him when there's a 30 seconds to go and he has to kick the winning field goal. But it's like one of those ones where he for for a, for a guy on the team who's going to be responsible for the majority of the points directly over the season, not to invest a bit more in your kicker. And so I was looking at, I know Jason Myers then left and we had a Pro Bowl kicker and what it would have cost to keep him on, rather went to Seattle and you could say, well, he went to Seattle and he hasn't he hasn't pulled up any trees. So that was a good decision. But when you look at the amount of games in the NFL, that like the, Tampa were an example of it, I think last year, and probably we were, to, we'd agree, to the year before that our seven point games or even four point games, you know, extra, ex, you know, points, at, points after and then field goals, you know, if your guy's missing one extra point and one field goal a game, and you're going to probably wind up losing two more games than you should have. And for me, I would put a, a, probably a disproportionate amount of money or resource into a kicker because I just think they're, I don't know, Is, it, is does everybody just laugh at the kicker? Or, you know what I mean? <laughs> but, you know, when you see a really, really good one, you're like, well, that's that's worth its weight in gold because they're so few and far between.
0: See, I, I, the way I view it is I look at it and The performance for kickers just like varies wildly from year to year. As a guy can be like a ninety percent kicker one year and fall to seventy percent the next year. And for me, this is just my view, and like you and anybody listening can feel free to disagree with this. For me, it wasn't so much that they let Myers go because I felt like he was never going to repeat the season he had. It's just they did they did not do a good enough job replacing him, and it was very odd to me how they did it because like they could have brought in multiple kickers into training camp with experience. And, I mean, there were guys out there who were you know, were signed in season who did a good job. So I just think they, they messed up the evaluation after they let Myers go. That's just my view on it, though. I mean, I, you're, I totally understand your position on it, though.
1: Yeah, because, I mean, I know kickers will fluctuate, but I think kickers have to fluctuate season on season because if your schedule one season has you in domes, you know what I mean? And then the next season you suddenly find yourself at Heinz Field or even at our place or, you know, outdoor stadiums. But it's just more, for me, is this someone who when we're running down the clock and we're running down the field and if Adam Gase decides to actually manage a game properly and can actually stop the clock when he needs to, uh if he did that and we haven't talked about Adam Gase, but I don't think we have enough time for that. Um but um you know what I mean? If 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 the game's managed well, you know, where is your clutch kicker? And when you're looking on the sideline, do you look and go, I'm glad we have him, or you look at him and you're Behind the sofa with your hands in front of your face, just going, this is this is not going to ha- end well for us, you know. So, I don't know. We'll talk about that when we're in the AFC Championship game. There's 15 seconds to go when we're two points down. You know what I mean? But yeah,
0: yeah. Well, uh, you know, I also remember back in 2005 when the Jets lost that game in Pittsburgh when Doug Bryan missed the field goals, and then the Jets used a second round pick on Mike Nugent, which was like the classic like overcorrection, where it's yeah. like, it's like. They had a bad kicker so what they do is they end up using a second round pick on a kicker which is you know not the way you want to go um so Gareth I just have one last question it might be a silly question but I'm just curious uh, anybody who comes on for the listener spotlight how did you find this podcast um I find
1: it uh, I, do you know something I was I was just I was googling a jets result or a roster or something and it it just my, my my Google search came up with options for for Jets podcasts etc. and you know obviously I was directly migrating towards locked on Jets, John. Um, but yeah, no, it was grand. And I'll make a prediction now: ten and six next year. And you know how we're going to do that, John? We're going to go ten and six by winning four of our division games, and um, we're going to go two and two in everything else. And if you add that all up, you get to ten. And if we were playing seventeen games, we will go to eleven and six, and I think that'll be good enough for the playoffs. And um, yeah, I think. And with the, as I said, with Tom away, who knows? I think the Bills are our biggest rivals, but I think ten and six will get us to the playoffs, and that'll do me. All right, you
0: heard it here. You heard it here first from Gareth. Ten and six, Gareth. Thank you so much for joining our show today.
1: Brilliant, John. Loved every minute. And good luck to everybody. And usual messages. Hope everybody's well.
0: And thank you for listening. This has been the Locked On Jets podcast, part of the Locked On Podcast Network. If you like our show, subscribe to it and leave it a good review. Have a good Tuesday, everybody, and we'll be back again tomorrow to talk more Jets.